Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to, I, I can't remember what I call this, was it not the Nina Kauser show, was it the Guy Drinkle show? Who knows, but I'll figure it out after we've done recording the podcast. But it's me, Guy, I am covering Nina for today and I am joined by two smashing guests. If you are listening live in Discord, do tag me in the chat and if you want to call in, uh, just tag me there and we'll get it sorted. But we'll do the intros first and we'll get to callers. Chris, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing well. How are you, guy? Relieved? Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that game can wasn't be... pretty. <laughs> no, it was not at all. Yeah, I feel the same way. Ah, uh, yes. But also, we have Harinda joining us. How are you doing, Harinda? I'm very well, guy. Good, good to speak to you after such a long time. I don't think it I've podded you. I don't think I've done a post-match pod with you for almost two seasons at least. Uh, and Chris, I think yeah, it's good to finally have a a pod on with Chris. Exactly, I brought him back into the fold. It's good to have him back. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. But we will get into the Burnley game. Thank you for listening, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> That's basically all that happened. Because <laughs> nothing happened apart from a goal. Um, but, right, we'll we'll start with the lineups. Chris, we'll start with you. We we did a wee bit of rotation in the team from uh, the Leicester game. Um, yeah, what what did you make of the starting eleven? I would have preferred... I was okay with the 11 aside from starting uh, Matip. Uh, mm-hmm. Given how Burnley play, you know they're going to hoof balls forward. They have really big center forwards for no apparent reason. And I think Kanate would have dealt with that better. Because um, as we saw throughout the game, uh, Matip, even though he won his headers, it wasn't really convincing. Um, some of them, like, he headed them straight to Burnley players and put Allison under pressure with his passing too. So um, that, the only change I would have made was uh, for the starting eleven was bring Kanate into this game. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I, I said this when people said we should play Diaz. Introducing people, I know he's been here a while. He's been here all season, but Turf Moor is a scary place, especially when it's windy and rainy. You don't you don't want newish people involved at Burnley. But Harindi, your thoughts on the uh, starting eleven before we get to callers? I'd kind of missed all the hoo-ha, believe it or not. Mm. So I was so busy trying to get other things done. And it was about 1.45 when my friend rang me saying, oh, you know, I can't get my IPTV to work. And I was like, oh, okay, let me give you a quick hand, mate. Do this, do this. Started working. I was like, okay. Because, oh, by the way, have you seen the lineup? I was like, oh, shit, no, I forgot completely about the lineup. I was just waiting for, what, 1.55, put TV on and tune into the match. So when I did take a look at the lineup, I was a little bit surprised. I was a little su- surprised. I wasn't sure. Or didn't think that he'd start um, Fab, Hendo, and Cater together like that. The front three, I did actually think he was going to go with Jota carrying on. Um, yeah. But it kind of made sense in respect to thinking about the match next week away at uh, Inter 
and who you want to kind of preserve. And I was like, well, I'll look at it from that perspective. Then I was like, okay, I kind of take this. And you're right, Burnley, as you mentioned, is an an abomination of an away day. When Burnley comes up on the roster, I kind of look at where it is and where my life will be at that point in time in either work, kids and everything else. And because it's not a massive allocation for an away, I get pinged straight away by about seven people who regularly go away to Liverpool matches and all of them will ask for the Burnley ticket because they know I won't go. They, they know mm. I absolutely, uh, I think it's a fucking abomination of a place really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if there was a nuclear bomb, you know, like they have, there's that poem about bombs over Slough. I'm sure they could just replace Slough with Burnley and, and just give the whole place a bit of a facelift, um, including the, the football fans. But all that aside, you know, leaving Burnley where it is, it's just not an easier way at all. And today proved it. Mm. I know last season we beat them 3-0, but it was also last season. It was also a season where it was much disruption in in general. So the season before that, it was a bit of a horrible game. A few seasons before that, a bit of a horrible game. A few seasons before that, horrible game. Clavan, last minute winner or whatever it was. A few seasons before that, fucking dog ugly and we lost 2-0. So, you know, it's not exactly what you would call a beauty side <laughs> to go to, you know. Not, sorry, as you mentioned just before the pod started, it's not like the North East, which is like the beauty spot of England. Horrendous uh, knows, people. He knows. Yeah, yeah. It's just bad. But um, upon the lineup, as I said, I was kind of okay with it, you know, given everything else is going on next week. But as the match proved out, this is the one that you remember for being my captain, my captain, my captain. I can't mm-hmm. remember it a bit. I can't remember a time when we've had three captains on the pit, on the pitch during a match. So it started with Hendo, then it went to Van Dyke, and it finished with Milner. Beautiful, isn't it? It's like hot potato. Uh, are you surprised Burnley are bottom of the table, considering how? Yes, I are? am. I am. I genuinely am. I'm not sure what's happened to them um, and the sparks of life that they've given themselves in respect to how they played against Man United. Because against United, I thought they'd come off trumps. Um, and you can see what they've got in their little or Audi version of um, the striker that they sold by getting in Weghorst. Um, but he's a handful. And he cost, you know, they made money on um, Chris Wood, like very good money on Chris Wood bought in Weghorst and he was a challenge for everybody today. Yeah, and he was a challenge the other day when I was watching them play against Man United. So, you know, my, my, my way of trying to scout the opposition while laughing at somebody as well worked out quite well because I thought, you know, Weghorst was going to be a pain and him and Rodriguez together can be a handful and they were. You know, as the match proved to be, um, if it wasn't for offsides and them not being so great about how to attack a high line. Yeah, it could have been a different story. So I'm grateful for a 1-0 win. Very grateful for a 1-0 win. Yeah, I think everyone was considering pretty much... Well, we'll we'll get into it. The state of the game. But we do have a call before we get into some of the uh, match incidents. And Kieran's on the line. How are you doing, Kieran? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Relieved, as I said in the intro. That match was ugly. But uh, (laughs) what have you got for the callers? Well, uh, you know... The usual stuff when you play Burnley, it's always going to be rip one half ball and just very, very dogged. And you know, it's you know they're a tough team to play against, and they just remind me of Stoke back in the day. And you know, just mm-hmm. it was. Ugh. But the the main thing also, we got the the job done. You know, first half we were a wee bit sloppy at times. And but and then I think once we got the goal, and then the second half when Thiago came on, things just calmed down a bit. They didn't really hurt us as much. But you know, I'm just glad that I'm just glad we don't have to play Burnley again this season. Hey, and we said they are struggling, might be the last time for a while. Well, hope, Who knows? hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we got still currently got relegated a few years ago. Yeah, uh, but Chris, um. Kira mentioned uh, Thiago coming on. The, that was basically all that happened in the second half, but we'll bring it up now. I, he's obviously had, not, well, he's had some critics, but he's had some question marks mainly about his his fitness record and stuff. But I, I think if a game showed, obviously Leicester, he was amazing and stuff like that. But today, it was almost chalk and cheese when he came on. I think we were almost panicked and stuff, but he came on, hit first 10 minutes, he was he settled the game down and he kind of, took real control of it, because Burnley were in the game, but after he came on, I don't think they were at all, really. Yeah, that's the one thing I noted while I was watching the game. Um, No midfield control. Uh, Not trying to single out Henderson, but he didn't have his greatest game today. Um, Mm. 
I think just because, you know, coming back from injury and just pushing him straight back into the lineup, he didn't do himself any favors. Well, the midfield in general didn't do themselves any favors with the uh, control and possession today. So I think uh, Tiago coming on definitely uh, settled the team down. He got that. Because you know when Tiago plays, he'll hold on to the ball. He'll pick out a pass. He'll, uh, you know, lower the tempo if he needs to. He'll up the tempo if he needs to. He's he's probably one of our most important midfielders. Um, would I have liked him to start today? Yes. But, you know, given his injury record, as you mentioned, uh, that probably wouldn't have been the greatest idea, especially against a team, a team like Burnley and playing at Turf Moor. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, the biggest change for me, yeah, as uh, Kieran noted, when Tiago comes on, uh, things settle down. Uh, we, I think we've had a lot more chances in the second half that I noticed from his passing. So I, that the Tiago switch is probably what uh, helped see this game out. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Burnley's threat so, uh, pretty much disappeared when he came on. Perinda, you obviously go to the game probably more than anyone in here. I mean, does Thiago's um, impact translate well in the stadium? Because obviously you get a different view. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just a different touch of class right in the midfield. Everything is much more slicker, smoother. Um, he doesn't lose the ball as much as our midfielders do. We just seem to lose the ball a lot less full stop. Um, we can't control our front three, passing it into the middle. We can't control... I think it's around the 50th, 55th or 54th minute, wherever it was, there's a great ball from Hendo straight down the middle and it goes straight to Burnley and you're like going, mm. what did you see here? You know, and that's not, and I'm, I'm genuinely a Henderson fan, so this is not a Henderson criticism in respect to, you know, Hendo out and all that nonsense that sometimes mm-hmm. people get really excited about. But gen- there were parts of me looked at our team and when they were playing the ball forward, I just kept on watching the match thinking, I can't see what you're doing or what you've seen that nobody else has seen, but obviously because the television isn't going to show it, but by word, that just looks atrocious. What were you thinking? What were you passing towards? Well, who did you see? Genuinely, who did you see? Because it's it's extremely painful, right, when you try and see a team that's known for its passing, known for its um, rigour, known for how it wants to play attacking football, pass the ball to shit. And you're like going, hmm, okay. What happened here, guys? That's generally most of the feeling I had during the match. Was like, mm. Yeah, there's a touch of class you need from someone like Thiago, I think. Yeah. Uh, Kieran, anything else you want to bring up? Um, I, I thought that... Um, I thought with the Thiago substitution, I had a feeling that he was being rested for, for midweek because obviously yeah. the Inter game is obviously going to be... On paper, it's tougher, but I don't think they're going to be as... Direct as Burnley, so and I think it because Burnley obviously uh, Inter have some good midfielders, and we need a player like Thiago to control things. So you know that's yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Burrell is out uh, yeah, suspended he, as well, so that helps like both as games. Well. Oh, beautiful! Is it both lovely, mm. lovely stuff? But if that anything else you want to ask before you go, Kieran? No, I think that's everything. Hey, thank you. Perfect. Cheers, Kieran. All right. Uh, if anyone else wants to call in, do just tag me in the AI live show chat and we'll get you sorted. But we'll move on with the game till someone does tag in. Uh, Chris, the game started off a bit slowly, but then we, in the first, I think it was the first five minutes, we had a little nice counter attacking opportunity with, uh, I think it was, more mana. And Robbo involved him more. He didn't. I don't think he got a shot off, but he did have an opportunity to control the ball and just kind of skid it off. I mean, when you're starting off like that, do you think maybe the game would have went a bit differently if we got the early goal? Definitely. If we get the early goal, uh, our tails are up. Burnley won't, you know, be as brave as they were today. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the difference in the game. We get that early goal. I think we probably put three or four past them. But um, the fact that, you know, we didn't get that early goal and throughout the first half, we had a few chances that we didn't take. Uh, the, the passes leading up 
to the pass in the final third. The final third, the pass in the final third, what is what was always failing us throughout this this game. They were either cutting it off, going straight to a Burnley player, or just holding on to the ball for a little too long. So I think that that would have like that an early goal would you know would have set us forward. But um, yeah, I think that miss like our early misses early on gave Burnley hope and and as you saw through the first half continue like they were pressing us higher um you know they were cut picking off more passes but um yeah so to me uh, I think for it would have been nice to get the early goal I think it would have been nice for Mo's confidence mm-hmm. um because he he had an okay game today but I think uh, his control of the ball was probably related to the shitty weather that was. <laughs> you just went from Cameroon the... to Burnley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'll give them a little uh, benefit of the doubt with the monsoon they had to deal with. But I definitely think we get that early goal. It all clicks. Everybody's calm and relaxed. And, you know, we just go through the gears and uh, demolish them. But the fact that we didn't, you know, it, it's... Like it's probably that PTSD to last season that we got to mm. get the early goal. We don't get the early goal. You know they're hanging in there. They're either gonna nick one, or if we get one, they're probably gonna equalize. So you kind of you could kind of see that setting in a little bit. But overall, I think I think we handled them well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, but to be fair to Burnley, Hurinda, I mean we we just discussed them being horrible a beat and we're surprised they're down there. I mean, my next note after that chance is Burnley are kind of battering us here. So what Burnley were doing well was find that space between the two central defenders, right? It's mm. not that there's a there is a a sizable gap between Matip and Van Dyke for people to play through, but Weghorst seemed to have the better of it. He really did think about what he was gonna do and how he was gonna position himself to get into that. And a couple of times we did get caught out by it, especially in the first half. Um, not so much the second half. I think tactically maybe Klopp showed them something that would Possibly led to why he was running down the touch lines. He's and six for six, Mark. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. You know, like he obviously was keen to probably point something out on the video data that they collected from the first half to show them, like, you know what, stop fucking about over here, mm. stop this, look at this nonsense that's going on, because we didn't see that much of it in the second half. Or if they did, if we did, you know, it was offside all the time, much to Burnley's discontent. But in the first half, and concentrating on the first half, yeah, Burnley absolutely showed a measure of what they had. Um, and like you were saying, like you know, it does make when you see things like that, you do think it's a bit of a surprise that they are down there at the bottom of the Premier League, um, and almost certainly going to be relegated, even with the games in hand, with Newcastle winning today, and the way other things are around them. You know, possibly it'll be themselves and Everton and somebody else going down. Um, I don't know why we do this though. Like in regards to the early goal and all this other stuff, I'm quite content with Liverpool feeding out a match in the first half, figuring mm. out what's going on, making sure that they're not doing anything stupid in regards to sussing out how the other team is playing, because we seem to do that quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't have the early goal nervousness. What I do have, though, is when we allow the same thing to happen again and again. So the deja vu nonsense. That does deja get on my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not so much a deja vu, you know, because he's gone. It's been a few seasons now. So, yeah, that deja vu it's kind of feeling like, oh, for you, possibly, not so much for me. <laughs> but, yeah, that deja vu feeling that, oh, shit, like, are we doing this again? Are we going to not learn from what's happening on the pitch? You know, are we not going to adjust sooner? That kind of thing. So, you know, I'm getting, you know, thinking on our feet in regards to the game and where we are. When we do that a little bit, that when we do that a little bit less than we should do, that, that I find worrying. Um, but today it's just a solid performance by Burnley but just an equal mm-hmm. equally you know like we can't take too much away from Liverpool here in shit conditions and in shit oh, what can I say in a shit match that's going to be played out like shit as well so lots of shit to deal with Liverpool did okay you know in the end in the end mm. yeah they worried us a little bit but they got the three points a well worked goal um, and we did threaten from that. I mean, the the nab, ah, oh, dear me, the the Mane ricochet against Pope. Yeah, you know, gets across, gets in, hits it, goes to Pope, comes back out. And I thought, you know, normally he'd squirm the rebound in, 
And when you didn't put that in, I did have that feeling of this could be one of our days like this, mm. where it just, you know, this doesn't happen. So I was quite mightily relieved when Fab did score. Yeah, absolutely. We will we will get to Fabinho scoring. Don't worry about that. Uh, but we did have a few more positives after Burnley had a spell. I'll stick with you, Harinda. I mean, we see Hendo with a nice cross. Maybe Mane could have went for it a bit more. Naby had a nice shot on the edge of the box. Um the penalty incident was just about that, but you, you mentioned, well, we mentioned Thiago earlier with Kieran's question, but Naby had, uh, well, Twitter, you either hate him or you love him, so it's the way the world works now, but I thought first half Naby was quite good, and then second half he just went a bit quiet, it, it's one of them that you either love him or hate, it's Emre Chan, it's Jordan Henderson, it's Mamadou Sacco, etc. He just seems to be the next one in line of them. It's Liverpool Marmite. Yeah. It is Liverpool Marmite, right? And the Naby level of Liverpool Marmite is quite interesting. Um, so I have close friends, very close friends indeed, um, that will sit there and go, Naby out, this, that, ever. Oh my God, I can't stand him. He's made of biscuits, it's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. It's always something, right? Um, I don't think he was terrible in the first half or the second half. I thought he was just playing right the rest of them. Mm. You know, like doing what he could do and then at times getting out-muscled because Burnley are going to out-muscle you. You know, he's not the tallest person in the pitch and he's playing in the midfield, which I found really interesting given the fact that we know that Klopp is a penchant for people who are taller. And when you're coming up against Burnley, Burnley are going to do this to you. They're going to be head and shoulders over you. They're going to muscle, you know, try and use every muscle in their body, every sinew in them to try and get around you. Now, with respect to Naby Keita, he just did what he could do. You know, there, there was, a, I mean, there's... First glance, there's a ball that goes behind Jordan Henderson in the first half, which I find like, like shit, fuck her, move. <laughs> but you can then see on the replay, but the angle isn't one that you can move the ball towards. So on TV, unless they show replays of everything, you don't get to see what is going on with the ball and what the true angle is of the ball as to why somebody doesn't positionally move. Um, but in particular, Naby Keita. Yeah, so I, I think there's a... I know it's Squawker and people don't really rate Squawker t- stats, but someone posted it into the, the Discord chat about Naby winning four out of five of his tackles and four, mm. or four out of five of his aerial duels or making the most tackles and all this kind of stuff. Great. I mean, you can make tackles as many as you want, right? And this doesn't just apply to Naby Kater, but to the rest of the team. But what happens after the tackle? Did you win the ball? Did you win possession? What happened afterwards? It's always what happens next, right, when you do any mm-hmm. of these actions. You can win a duel. Great. But where did the ball go? What did you do after that? What happened after that? The action is inconsequential unless um, the follow-up action is one that's positive for Liverpool. If you win a tackle and the ball still goes to a Burnley player, what was the point? Of, what did you do? You you tackled, but the ball you still didn't. But you didn't retain possession. Also, you didn't gain possession of the ball. Well, what did you do? That was yeah, be, that was the same. Interesting yeah. to see what the under pressure lads if they have any more. Oh yeah, this is going to be a really under pressure. Because I don't think there was much pressing in there. Because there wasn't much to press. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it was just end to end, really, wasn't it? Without any action, it was strange, on. So it'll be fun to see. Um, Chris, I mean, if you want to add anything on Naby Keita, feel free. But we had the uh, penalty shout just after after that, and then well, the penalty shout, and then a Burnley chance. Really, maybe we'll talk about Allison just being big and beautiful after this as well. One thing I'll say about Naby, especially this season. Um, I think Patrick put in the uh, chat there that whenever he plays uh, his Premier League games where he plays uh, 45 plus minutes, they're all victories. 3-0, 2-0, 5-0, 5-0 against United, one one draw against Spurs and 1-0 against Burnley. Um, so if we lose at halftime, get him yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like with Naby, uh, he, to me, he gets the Wijnaldum treatment when he was with us um mm. especially to me this season uh there's quite a few players i think like nabby and jones like kind of mimics the one album job more so nabby um if you watch nabby that game he's doing the the work that you know henderson's not gonna do uh fabinho like he'll do the dirty work that he needs to do for his position but on that side of the midfield nabby will you know retain possession He'll win back. His, he'll win his challenges. He'll win his duels. He'll win his tackles. I mean, sometimes he can be flashy. You know, sometimes he'll give a, the ball away because that's just the risk you take 
when you pass forward and you don't pass backward or, or sideways. So we can't really fault him for that. But uh, with the penalty shout for uh, Mo Salah, mm. we saw that given against us when uh, Andy Robertson cleared the ball and caught, um, oh God, what's his name? Welbeck. For Brighton. Welbeck, yeah. He caught him on the follow-up, the follow-up with, uh, after clearing the ball. Mm. And the same thing happened here. Uh, Veghorst lost control, and Salah goes to play the ball. The defender, I can't remember who clipped him, um, caught him on the follow-up. And I think it might have you know, been the striker, if I remember correctly. Was it the striker? Was it, it him Veghorst, again? I think. I think so. Yeah, because I know he lost control. So it might have been him, because he mm. lost he lost he miscontrolled the ball and then he tried to he i guess he cleared it and then caught sala in the process i mean it it i think it's it depends on the ref that's calling the game and the ref that's on the var with them because another referee might have given that a penalty and the var might have given that a penalty um but i'm not going to get into a rant about the referees in the premier league because they're all my head will just explode i'll just say consistency like if it's a penalty when you know for one referee you know make sure it's a penalty like just keep it consistent across the board it could have went either way mm-hmm. um but to me like if you're clipped in the box a foul is a foul if he was outside of the box as the commentators say oh if he's outside of the box that's a foul i don't then... think it's as bad as the Leicester one midweek at least where he was assaulted right. <laughs> yeah that should have been a sending off but yeah. But you know how they are. Um, if it's a foul, it's a foul. If it's in the box, it's a penalty. To me, it's a penalty just for the sake of consistency because we've seen uh, softer penalties called against us in the past mm-hmm. and called for us as well. Mm-hmm. So just be just just the consistency. Your thoughts, Arinder, on the pen? Um, truth be told, I, I wasn't sure. Hmm. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be given or not. It's, Chris is right, you know, we've seen those given to other teams, um, especially where we've done it. Yeah, but the lack of consistency in regards to VAR, refereeing and so on. So, I mean, it's a pod within itself and it's been done to death. So they are kind of half-hearted, like, yeah, uh, no, they're not. And just like VAR, things like, you can't just get over it within the moment, really. Because lingering on it doesn't seem to change anything. They don't seem to give a shit in regards to Stockley Park or anywhere else for that bad in making it any better or any easier for anyone anytime soon. Hmm. It is a strange... It's just Martin Atkinson again. It's always against Burnley. It's always him against an underdog team. Just never have confidence in him. I don't even know who's good referees anymore, but... Yeah, I'm not too upset. Maybe because we won, obviously, but I wasn't too upset. That wasn't given as a penalty. That's probably how I'd look at that. But, uh, yeah, I've seen worse. As I said, that Leicester one in midweek was the stonewalliest of pens, and that wasn't given, so no shock with this one. The way things were going in the first half, even if that was given as a pen, they'd probably save it. Oh. (laughs) Nick Nick Pope and Casper Schmeichel, they only turn up against us. I swear to God. So he probably would have saved it. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the one. Uh, Harinder, I'll stick with you. How good is Alison Becker? Very good. Not just a little bit good with sugar on top. He's very, very good. Mm. Yeah. Um, he went through a bit of a ropey patch at the yeah towards the latter part of last year. Yeah. But he's coming back with a bang right in 2022. Now, with him and Edison at the top of the tree. Um, and Edison is a good shot stopper. He's a good goalkeeper. You, like we could see, like yesterday as well, mm-hmm. um, for Man City. Then you have to think. It's no wonder why these two are fighting for the title, as in regards to Liverpool and Manchester City. I know there's a points gap. Everyone gets worried. Yes, I know we've got the game in hand, and if we win that, there's only six points in it. But you can also see where you know in matches like this or games like this, where people are industrial in how they play football then City could come a cropper too. They could. Yeah, in similar kind of circumstances and conditions and everything else. So with regards to Alison Becker now, there's not enough superlatives left anymore. 
we've used them. Yeah, they get, again, I, I said this in the middle of the week about somebody else as well. It's all it's quite cliche, right? After a while, in respect to this, that what do you think of somebody? But with Alison, we've got that confidence back in regards to okay, it's going to get past our defenders. It's one on one with the keeper. Alison more than likely is going to save it, or he's going to make it impossible. Even for things that then get later called offside, psychologically, he just shows the attacking player that he's beaten them. You know, they don't get a decision against them. He didn't know that, but he still came out and he wasn't going to risk giving them a chance. Now, if Burnley were that good and were that brilliant in regards to goal scoring, one of their offsides would have got to the back of the net. Mm. Name one that did. Name one that went close. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, right? It didn't. Mm. So it's kind of where it ends for me. And most of that is down to Alisson today. Yeah, Chris, I think... For me, I mean, I, I probably started supporting Liverpool when Dudek Kirkland were fighting for the for the number one jersey or top, if I'm English. Um, it, Allison, like I love Dudek. I love I like Rayner until he forgot how to goalkeeper. But Allison Beck has just been a different level of goalkeeper in my supporting lifetime, and it, it's great to see. Yeah, I personally, well, for us, I've never seen a keeper as as good as Allison. It's just the fact his confidence just throws the opposition off because it, I don't know, like when they're through and on goal, even though it's offside, like he's, he's still playing like they're onside and they're attempting to score. Like he doesn't give up on the play. Like he'll make himself big. And I just think about that one uh, chance they had that was offside again, with I think it was Maxwell Cornet, and he just yeah. threw himself to the ground. Yeah, just palmed. Yeah, and just like palmed it away, and just it it. I like Harinder said. There's there's not much more you can say about Allison Becker that other than he's just absolutely fucking glorious, and we'll be hard pressed to find a better keeper that will suit this type of team, because whenever he plays, I expect to keep a clean sheet unless the other team gets a shit ricochet goal or a lucky shot off that's you know the sun is in his eye or something but i can't really i don't know have any much else to say about our holy goalie he's just just amazing the bapt it's a baptizer machine i like him he's great he's just i know he went through that odd spell last season but he's just been perfect other than that he's just the best yeah. goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I mean, Matip wasn't like doing him any favors either with his passes towards him. Good as well, to be fair. No, no, they the whole back line wasn't doing him no, any they... favors, but he mm. just you know just calm, cool, collective. Like that one time where uh, they missed, they underhit the pass to him, and he <laughs> yeah. ran out and was just shielding the ball, trying to find an outlet, and then he just booted it out. He's like, "Fuck it, I'll just boot it out for a throw." If we were 2-0 up there, he's going for a run. He's, he's going on one. 100%. I, I believe you. I don't yeah. doubt it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we have a couple chances after our Ali uh, goodness. Uh, Mane has a couple chances off a Trent free kick, a volley at the back post, and then kind of a follow-up one on the floor. Then Burnley have a couple nice passes, uh, nice um, opportunities, but some of them are offside. I, I mean, most of them are offside, but with the late flags and all that stuff. I don't know if it's good defending or whatever for us, but hey-ho, most of them were offside from my memory. Um, Harinda, we get into the goal. Uh, the corner's won. Nice pass by Nabi to Mane. I think a cross gets cut out and it get, wins us a corner. I, considering our corners usually hit the first man and we're in hurricane conditions, I, it's a lovely flick-on from uh, from Mane and then Fabinho is just a train, isn't he? He's just, he just winning that ball. You know what? It's also quite a lot of vision from Fab there, right? To sit there and think, mm. okay, and, and the anticipation of the ball coming in. I mean, I don't expect Manager to stoop that low to head a ball, but he does. And he gets it where he needs to get it to. And then obviously Fab comes crashing through and bang, it's in the back of the net. And you're like, well, what happened here? The least expected person to score a goal today probably would have been Fabinho, other than Matic. Yeah. Um, simply because you just don't expect him to. But Fab, even on goals, goals, goals. I expect Allison to score before Fabinho does. To be fair, um, 
so yeah, he was the last expected goal scorer, but it's great. You know, like this is a person who we know in the middle of the pitch commands everything. Yeah, he just exudes class. It's awesome to then see him get a goal today, especially in that manner. And again, also against that team. Because, again, I wasn't expecting it. Last person I thought would be scoring would be him. But you're then so mm. glad that it is him. But Chris, are we wrong to unexpect Fabinho to score? Because let's go through his record here. 2018, one goal in 16 appearances. 2019, one in 44. 2020, one in 41. 2021, one in 40. 2022, he's five in eight. He's an absolute machine. You know what it is? It's that PTSD from missing that goal against City that would have won us the game. Ah, I personally think that's in the back of his mind anytime he gets a chance to score. So he's like, especially against the corner, like with this follow-up, it just he just slams it into the net when he dives towards it. So he's like, fuck this, it's not happening again. If I have a chance to score, I'm going to score. I, I, I personally think that's what it is. I hope so. He obviously had a couple penalties. I mean, Mo's in my yeah. FPL, so Mo's on penalties. That, that's how yeah. it goes. <laughs> but then again, it's 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 good to see, uh, you know, other players aside from our attackers, desperate to get a goal, mm. desperate to win. Because how many other players do we have that, aside from you know, Mane, maybe Bobby, it's probably Luis Diaz and Diogo as well. Well, the our entire attack that's willing to be that desperate to score. It's you know it's a breath of fresh air to see mm-hmm. when your midfielders are scoring from a set piece. Mm-hmm. So at least we're you know we don't have to rely on you know smooth silky open play and you know a, a crazy counter attack to get ahead in the game. Um, we were able to get that scrappy goal. I would say we got a a Burnley goal against Burnley, which you know. That ultimately won us the game, which which feels nice as well. That's true, actually. That's true. If only it was a centre half, that's how it would have been a more Burnley goal. Yeah, it's uh, it was a it was a nice goal. But Fabinho, I, I think Lugo's made the point there in chat that he's now actually involved uh, in the box on corners where he used to be one of the deeper ones looking for the uh, to recycle the ball and defend. Obviously, so that's a that's a good point. But he is a big lad. He must be got six two, six three. So. It, good to have them options there um but that's basically it for that half that's basically it for the game um i think there was one more chance by marnie who does a bit of a crap pass um but half time i just horrendy you're obviously much more calmer than me but it was a it was a horrid game but we're winning at half time we can't really complain can we no, we can't complain. So, you know, normally I do half-time musings, but when it's absolutely atrocious, you're like going, well, what's the fucking point of musing on anything here? Because there wasn't a lot to muse about. I mean, you've mentioned the fact that Mane had um, an atrocious pass. Mm. Yeah, when we were on the break. I actually did think that, okay, he's going to put it to Salah. Plainly, this is it, 2-0, you know. Um, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. You're like going, fuck's sake. As I mentioned earlier, you know, like you can't just put that um, Henderson or others in regards to crap passes or shit mm-hmm. passes, whatever you want to call them. Today, there's quite a lot of them in the first half and in the second half from the front three, from the midfield. Um, not so much from defence. Not so much from defence, which is I was happy about because we have been uh, guilty at times of our back four having a bad pass in them. So yeah, that's true. That. Yeah, so that was about you know I didn't really think much about the first half we scored. It was great. You know what? Second half, please don't do the same shit. And they did. <laughs> <laughs> Mine My, is the uh, the getting caught from the offside. Well, that's it. Pretty much, like literally nothing happened apart from substitutions. Yeah. Apart from what was it? Was it Carne? Was the only one right? I in the second I half. Even, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it's the one where uh, Ali pretty much forced him out to the corner flag, wasn't it? I think that was it. But that's pretty much yeah. it. I mean, might as well just talk about individual players. Obviously, we've done Thiago, uh, Harinda. The front three had a weird game. I mean, I, I think you mentioned it earlier. You surprised Mane started. You were obviously busy uh, pre-game 
Klopp said Jota was meant to start, but he got he got a dead leg in training or in, in the game, so it was probably it was going to be Jota, uh, Firmino, and Salah. I I don't know. It just looked like uh, well, Salah and Mane obviously been away. Afcon and Bobby, not what he was three years ago, two years ago. It just looked like well, horrible conditions and a bit of rustiness whilst they were away. That's pretty much how I thought the front three looked today. It was a lot of labour, but no love. Mm. That's what it felt like. You know, there's work going on, whether it was for the for the win or for anything. It just didn't seem to be pulled off. Um, this is the problem with TV. Like, you know, the, the match follows the ball and you kind of get to see maybe a third of the pitch or two thirds of the pitch, depending on where it is at the moment in time. But they're showing it in the angle. You don't know what's really happening in front of them. So when a, when a defender has the ball and you see them look up, because that's all you do is you see them look up. You don't know what they're looking at. They could be looking towards the midfield. They could be looking towards the attack. You don't know what they're looking at. The, and then you see a cross-field ball. Okay, great. So they were looking towards um, Robbo on the run. What you could see was there was nothing in front of him. You know, there's almost like a semi-expectation of Mane being there, or as we saw against Leicester, Diaz being there, ready to just go, yeah, give me the ball. Okay, I'm ready. Yep, take it off we go, flying down the wing. Um, race past some people, put it into the box, see what happens next. We had none of that today, really. Yeah, and it uh, it's a telling sign in regards to our front three sometimes when they're not opening the opposition up for us to create opportunities or we can't see them opening them up. Mm. Yeah, it's happening a lot against Crystal Palace. So against Palace, it seemed like a, it seemed like a similar kind of match where they could almost hurt us at will in the second half, and they did. But this was Burnley. So a different colour of purple, a different colour of claret and blue, whatever they want to call themselves. These is claret and blue, right? With those guys, yeah. Um, so we don't know how. I'm gonna, we, we don't have that purple team-itis that we used to have. There was a period whereby any team playing in purple, Villa, Burnley, West Ham... Benteke, Aston Villa. I, I remember yeah. them well. <laughs> yeah, that was, we just went through a period of literally anyone wearing that coloured kit or anything in that kind of um, ilk would win. Either win or cause us pain, so there'd be a draw. Yeah, we don't have that problem anymore, which mm. is good. And yes, I am padding because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, what else can we say about the front three? Because... It wasn't a fantastic. You weren't going to write lots about them. You couldn't maybe write a paragraph about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd struggle to write a paragraph. Yeah, maybe one line or two on each player, and that's kind of how it felt today. Yeah, I, I mean, I would to piggy off, piggyback off Harinder. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, it was just you know Burnley defending well, but this isn't the first time we've seen this with the front three. Yeah. I think it's it, it's I think it's one of those um those cases of where teams are so used to seeing them that they like you play against someone enough you kind of will have an idea of what's coming what they're going to do uh Mane's either going to pass it back or you know try to cut inside uh stuff like that so it it might be that you know what they were doing early on early in their tenure with Liverpool you know, was, you know, flashy and people weren't used to it. They weren't used to, you know, Bobby passing like you know, an attacking midfielder and pressing the hell out of him and stuff like that. So, you know, it might be something to do with uh, age. We don't know because they're all pushing 30 now, but, you know, we're they're all in, you know, peak shape. But mm-hmm. it, I think it's just an, another one of those games where, you know, you expect the front three to be the front three, you know, and just run rampant. But, you know, to defend them a little bit, I would say Burnley's not going to give you the chance to do that because they're not a possession-based team. They're not going to play out from the back where, you know, our front three excels. So for this game, you know, you'll give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But, um, but this happens more often than not. And it's a it's sad to see the you know that they're slowly starting to drop off and i'm not talking about salah because he's just a monster and they need to extend his contract asap Uh, i saw a report about milner getting a two-year extension potentially but 
No, um, don't, don't, you'll, you'll no. start people in chat. <laughs> <laughs> start a flame war. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know if they can, you know, we can throw them out together again. I mean, you'll play, we could play Bobby, Sala, and Diaz, or uh, Jata, Mane, and, and Sala, you know, just to change it up a little bit. But, um, but Chris, don't you think that Liverpool are, are savvy to this? I mean, we've seen Jota come in um, last season. We've seen Diaz now come in earlier than expected. And right. we've got all of our attacking three, or main three, in Firmino, Bobby, in uh, Bobby, Mane, and Salah. They're all going to turn 30 soon, right? Yep. Well, they're close to it, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So when you've got that position there and you've got two new ones coming in, keeping one experienced, I get. Keeping two of them experienced, I get. Keeping mm-hmm. all three probably isn't going to happen. And it's going to, I, I, I may be repeating a little bit of what we said against Leicester, but you know, it does feel that the end is nigh in respect to one of them, um, which is yeah. sad to hit. When you, when you think of it like that, and especially the number of seasons they've been playing together, it's sad to think of it like that, but it is a natural progression of things that are happening in, in the ways of succession management, so to speak. I think Liverpool have done it quite well with the front three. They've got two attackers in there who are one most definitely has slot right in right from when we bought him Jota Diaz looks amazing from when we saw him against um, Leicester the other day so I think we're in safe hands I think where we go for the rest of the season will possibly be a changing of the guard by the time we get towards the end of it but there are going to be days with Jota and Firmino haven't we yeah absolutely and I think it's going to be a case of whereby you know like with with the number of matches we've got to play and the competitions that we're still in, then we could expect this to happen again. Rather regularly right. against some of the lower placed teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think specifically Bobby probably on this one, because Man has obviously been a starter all season and, and more is more, as you say. But Bobby, I think Bobby's still got a role to play. It might not, it, it's just weird because he's gone from being. I in air quotes I'm doing this on a podcast being our most important player he was the system player a few years ago and now you're thinking maybe but is he that anymore though say that again Chris sorry but is he that anymore that that's what I'm trying to say I think he's kind of going from being our key player and one of the three whereas now you kind of I don't know what to think of him anymore does is can he start so many games I'm not sure maybe maybe he's just a really good sub to have and kill off games that's probably how I see him now, which might be a bit harsh, but that's how I see it. I, I could, I could see him being used for that. If anything, for these lower sides, I'd want you know Diaz and 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 Jota and Salah to play. But if we're playing against like Man City or you know one of the top half teams, I definitely want Bobby to start in the in the false nine, especially against teams that you know want to play out of the back and are going to want to have possession. Even if he, you know, his finishing is off or his passing might be a little off, you know he's going to work his ass off. And that's the one guarantee you could get from Bobby. But um, other than that... I think his goal record was what? Was it he hasn't scored in 15 or something I heard during the game? I I think so. No, it's not, especially... When you, but that has, that's not his job, is it? I know, but it, even when he, even when it wasn't his job before, he was still getting fifteen a season. It's, I yeah, don't know if a, that if obviously Moore's on a freakish level at the minute, and not not today, obviously, but I just don't know if stuff like that's sustainable anymore because yeah. Mane is not getting the thirty goals a season he was back then. It's just a, it's it's a good debate to have because bugger all happened in the second half of the. So we might as well discuss it now. Um, isn't it just part and parcel of the evolution that we're going through? Mm. So you talked about how Bobby was the most important part. That, of front that's three. what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, and that front three has changed in mm-hmm. respect to how it plays, how it attacks. Um, and I've seen this in, in the matches now. Like things that mm. I expect Liverpool to do, we don't do anymore. Yeah, I've seen two yeah. evolutions, haven't we? Because yeah. obviously Jota's nothing, but he, he's like Bobby in some regards, but he's not as midfieldery. Uh, whoever's played right centre mid is basically an attacking winger slash number ten nowadays. So we have evolved this season. So we we definitely have. It's probably the worst game to show that. <laughs> um, well, look, look at twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah actually, mm. let's, let's look at this for a second. 
2021, mm-hmm. we would have so many crosses into the box with nothing happening. You would mm-hmm. go nuts on a post-match or, you know, people on um, lives or a- anything. When they were evaluating the football match, would say, you know, how much, how ludicrous the number of crosses into the box were, which went nowhere, or they went towards the back post or beyond and went towards the back way, left side or right side, and nothing happening. Because it would mm. happen so much, so much. But this season, we're not having it so much. We're also having crosses that go in and usually Jota meets them with an yeah. aplomb and normally yeah. a goal. And it's a beautiful sight, right? We didn't have that mm-hmm. that much last season. And some of them, so there are definitely um, playing evolutions that are going on on the pitch. Do I tactically understand every single one of them? No, I'm not as nuanced as the A under pressure folks or the AI scouted lads in respect to Carl and Dave. I don't watch football in that manner. But there's definitely a change. Mm. Um, and also, defensively, there's a change. Sometimes we don't look as strong as we should do or as commanding or as comfortable as we should do but we don't lose the match. Mm. So there's a lot of risk-reward type football going on. Yeah, I think it's almost like a an, more of an evolution of the 17-18 season than recent seasons, if that makes sense. Yes. When we, when yeah, we were that mental. makes sense. Yeah. 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 So maybe Klopp's just went, eh, defensive but football's a bit boring. Let's go mental. Um, but, but you can take that you can take that chance when you you can hold a good high line and yeah, you have absolutely. someone like Van Dyke that can command that high line especially today every single one of their chances if I'm correct me if I'm wrong was offside I think most so, 9 9% were yeah yeah so there there's the benefit in that the only difference that we see I know we've scored over 60 goals um this season the only difference between this season and the 17-18 season is that we're not getting those frequent three, four, fives, and sometimes even six, sixes, mm-hmm. putting but up on the co- board. That we're not really conceding. We're not the conceding three either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Personally, for me, I would rather go back to our eighteen, nineteen, and nineteen twenty seasons mm-hmm. style of play, where when we go up one, two nil, we control the game. It the, you're not getting through. Some people say it's boring, but for me, I'd rather I'd rather watch that, you know, tidy, comfortable, because that's what won us a league in the Club World Cup and a, mm. a European a European Cup. So I think it depends who's playing because I we see like Henderson we mentioned with Kater early on splits opinion as we know, but what, I I don't think we should be having Henderson and Harvey Elliott doing the same job. It's a no. bit weird to me. Because one's yeah. a winger and one's a box-to-box midfielder. Like, like I know Henderson back in thirteen fourteen was great going forward, but he's not really evolved from that play. He's become much more of a stable player. Obviously, he played as a defensive midfielder for years. So it's just a bit weird. We kind of locked in that role to be the attacking one, regardless. It's just a bit strange to me. Yeah, with that, I. <sighs> I don't know. It's I don't think it's fair to ask Henderson to play like Elliot. Like Henderson can attack and he'll track mm-hmm. back, but it, it's not fair because he doesn't have the the tech the I don't want to say technical skill, but the flair that Harvey Elliot has, like the footwork and everything like that. Because you know mm-hmm. Harvey will you know try to nutmeg three people in a row and then you know either try to pass it to someone for an assist or take the ball on himself. Uh, Henderson is more of that industrial type of player. He'll put his head down. He'll get forward. He'll cross the ball into the pitch. He'll look look for the pass. He'll do your favorite clipped ball <laughs> into the box. But hmm. yeah, that's it, it's. I think what we're seeing with the team with regards to the midfield, especially with Harvey Elliott playing in that right side, is Klopp expects that eight slash ten type of player. Mm. But I'm not gonna talk more about Henderson because I don't want people attacking me. I love Henderson, by the way. Him right. and Bobby, <laughs> yeah, him, Bobby. Like I, I love them. But it, there comes a point of if Henderson wasn't captain, would he have gotten that extension? Because I don't think Bobby's gonna get an extension. I think he'll run down his contract. Maybe Mane might be sold in the summer, or they might keep him. But mm. I, I, you can't really tell. 
which way this this team is gonna gonna go with regards to the old guard. And you know, we've been watching them play for what five and a half years, six years. Well, Hendo's, so you know, we Hendo's ten years now, is yeah, it? twelve yeah. years. He yeah, he came in in what eleven, eleven yeah. twelve or yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I got my so... season ticket when Hendo signed for Liverpool. Yeah, so That's we all have thing. that attachment to to those players, but you it'll be interesting Hodgson, to see. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I'll say about this game, yeah, we only scored one goal and we dogged it out, but I think that's important for uh, the rest of the season going forward. Because if we would have gotten a draw, or you know, we would have conceded an equalizer like if we would have went nil nil or considered conceded a late equalizer mm-hmm. it would have shot them mentally but i think they needed this type of game this type of you know dog it out get out of here one nil with the three points for their mentality if they want to keep pace with man city uh in this quote-unquote title race because it's what mm-hmm. nine points now with the game in hand and if we beat them at the etihad that'll what cut it down to three or six so for their so, mentality, yeah. yeah, for their mentality moving forward for for their own self-belief and self-confidence, uh this was a good a good game for them. Cuz I'm sure Klopp will nitpick, you know, things that could go better, but it's like yeah, like well, we fought hard, we did our jobs, we came on with the win, and it's akin to the season we won the title. They didn't give up. They just kept attacking even in the 90th minute. Like they're, you know, we had that one chance with in the late it was like the, the mo, 84th the minute. Yeah. We got the Mo chance in yeah, yeah. like 80, the 89th minute. And then we had the Diogo chance, which uh good defending by Burnley. But I mm-hmm. expected him to score that in like, like five minutes before that. So if anything, it shows the mentality monsters potentially coming back. I hope so, because we have seen similar-ish games to this. The Brightons, the Burnley, uh, not Burnley's, Brentford's. Just the bees, yeah. they're all bastards. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, where they just collapsed and they just yeah. gave so, it away. So and if they had the like same mentality, yeah. if they had the same mentality today, like against Brentford or against Brighton, maybe that's six more points on the board. But, mm. you know, that's just speculation. Absolutely. Uh, Harinder, anything you want to bring up before we get going? No, nothing more really. I, I think the the game, as I said, we've done it in a while to go just beyond just over an hour nearly. Is the fact <laughs> yeah. that the game itself was dog shit. We won one nil. Thank fuck for that. Literally, um, and we. What I would say is that we've got Norwich coming next in the Premier League, right? And yeah, now yeah, Norwich yeah. yesterday, obviously they started well and they pushed hard. Yeah, they huffed and they puffed, but still lost to Man City. And with respect to how they are and especially given how they've seen Burnley play today it'd be really interesting to see how Norwich come to us because Dean Smith is a different proposition for them in regards to how they set up and how they play football um, they'll give it a, my, my suspicion is that they'll give it a go they'll leave be the space. To, yeah. and they'll yeah. leave the space yeah, yeah I, I, think I think it'll be a much cleaner game go. Yeah. yeah hopefully it's not hopefully it's not pissing down in a hurricane <laughs> 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 Jesus Uh, But before we go, I will leave you with this quote, and this is what Adam shared in the chat here. This is from 90minute.com, who you've probably seen doing the great work as usual. Alisson, goalkeeper, 5 out of 10, spared Liverpool's blushes on a few occasions with his agility off his line. So that was a nice 5 out of 10 performance from Alisson there. Great journalism. Um, 5 out of 10. Alisson was man of the match for me. Oh yeah, well that reminds me, man of the match. So Chris, yours is Alisson. Yes, sir. Harinda. I'd agree with Chris, Alison. I'd agree with you both as well. He is beautiful and he's very good at goal- being a goalkeeper. So, yeah. Any other shouts, do let us know in the chat and do let us know on Twitter. But I don't know how long we've been going with this show, but it's been too long for an awful game of football. But thank you, everyone who's listened in the live chat, especially. Thank you, everyone who's listening later on. I don't even know what the hell the name of this show is. I'm going to go with Not Nina Show. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.